You're listening to the Savage Lovecast, www.savagelovecast.com. If you're stuck in a relationship quandary, or if you're looking for sexual We number the episodes of the Savage Lovecast sequentially. Seven years ago, back before every comedian, therapist, and barista had their own fucking podcast, we did episode one of the Savage Lovecast. And eventually we got to episode 97, then episode 243, then episode 322. And one day we were like, hey, eventually we're going to be doing episode 420. And we had such a great idea and such an original and surprising idea for that episode. (laughs) We would do episode 420 stoned. I would get high. Nancy would get high. The tech-savvy at-risk youth would get higher. (laughs) And then we would see what our sex advice podcast was like when we were stoned. Would the advice be any worse than usual? Would it be any better? There was only one way to find out. Man, we had been looking so forward to episode 420. Then, around episode 487, we were like, fuck! <laughs> we totally spaced episode 420. You know who forgets something like episode 420 is coming up? When the buildup is like, hey, we're doing episode 417, 418, 4... You know who forgets that 420 is next? Stoners. Stoners do. So while we've never been high doing the podcast, we are high-frequently podcast-adjacent. Well, better late than never, we're doing our high show now. We are doing it live, and we are doing it at Ophelia's Electric Soapbox in downtown Denver, Colorado. Because what better place to give high advice for the first time than right here in Colorado? Because you guys were the first state in the nation to legalize recreational marijuana. And you're very proud of that fact. Now, my podcast, like my column, originates in Washington State. So we've come all the way from Washington State to Colorado, me, Nancy, the tech-savvy at-risk youth. We've come all this way to record this podcast and also to deliver a very important message to Colorado from Washington State. That message, fuck you. (laughs) Fuck you, Colorado. You glory-hogging shits. We legalized pot in Washington State on the exact same day you did it here. But you bitches got all the press. All the national press for months and months leading up to recreational pot going for sale. It was all about Colorado and nothing about Washington State. And you guys are the most progressive and the most liberal... But you know what? We legalized pot and gay marriage together on the same day in fucking Washington State. (laughs) Nearly two full years before you did, but you got all the attention. 
after the vote and in the run-up to recreational sales, the media was like, Colorado, Colorado, Colorado. <laughs> and we were like, Jan Brady to your fucking stoned Marsha Brady. <laughs> and it hurt. And we're still pretty upset about it, I have to say. My paper pushed the issue for two decades, and it makes me anxious and upset when I think about how you guys got all the goddamn credit and all the attention. So maybe it's time for me to get high, which is what I like to do when I'm anxious and upset. <laughs> now, I have a confession to make. You ask most people when they got high for the first time, and you hear 15, 14, sometimes distressingly 12. Ask me when I got high for the first time. Thank you. I was 30 fucking six years old. So I've been getting high for a while, but I still feel like I'm not very good at it. And I really don't know my way around pot. And I don't know my way particularly around edibles, which is my preferred way to do pot. And since I am here in Colorado and you guys are just lousy with pot experts and pot entrepreneurs... We have all of your pot superstars with us tonight, and we're going to bring out the first, and he's going to advise me on what pot edible I should eat. And then the whole show is a race. At what point am I going to be too high to operate a sex advice podcast? And you guys are going to watch me and see how quickly I deteriorate. And I'm going to rely on you to let me know when the advice sucks more than it usually does. But I'm going to bring out tonight's first guest. He's going to help me pick the edible that's right for me. Please welcome to the stage Jake Brown, the pot critic for the Denver Post. All right, before we get down to picking the right edible for me, you review pot for a daily newspaper. Nice work if you can get it. How the fuck did you get it? <laughs> Drink lots of water. Uh, no, uh, <laughs> I actually worked as a buyer for a dispensary for a long time. Uh, so that's basically like if you were uh, the bar manager for a bar and wine reps come in and see you all day. Except me, it was just guys with big duffel bags full of weed. <laughs> Even nicer work if you can get it. <laughs> so at the Denver Post, do you have an expense account? God, I wish. Uh, I'm, uh, I'm trying to figure out how to do this with the IRS. I shouldn't have said that. I am no longer trying to figure out how to do this with the IRS. But like some, the theater critic doesn't have to buy tickets to the plays. The restaurant reviewer usually doesn't have to pay for the food that they eat. You must have an expense account for all this pot you smoke on behalf of the Denver Post. I'm proud to say I pay my own weed way, all right? Oh, yeah, I know. It's also sad. It is sad. <laughs> now, the Denver Post is a mainstream sort of journalism operation. There's journalism is the term we use around the journalism room. And there's a lot of, a lot of people who are probably very invested in their self-image as journalists. Are they nice to you, these cranky old journalists, or do they think you're a signal of the coming collapse of Western civilization and the newspaper industry, <laughs> that their paper is now reviewing pod? <laughs> is this a sign of the end times, even worse than Craigslist? I mean, they've let me in the newsroom like three times. <laughs> so they don't embrace you. I, I think that they just kind of are like uh, willfully ignorant towards uh, Oh, my God. Fuck them. They're so stupid. <laughs> no, 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 no. There's a lot of really talented reporters at the Denver Post. You should definitely keep buying the Denver Post. <laughs> Great people there. But this uh, is... Buy newspapers. <laughs> yeah, buy newspapers. 
and free newspapers continue to pick them up. Yeah. <laughs> Go in the box. <laughs> but you constantly hear from people at daily newspapers. They want to get more young people to read. They want to get more young people to read. You'd think they, the people there who are writing about politics or news or local news would be excited about all the young people who are going to be reading the paper because you are telling them where to get the best spot. Yeah. <laughs> okay, having sex while high, yes or no, pro or con? Oh, yes, and the best thing is your partner never has to know, or you can tell your partner, but it's, <laughs> it's very much... <laughs> Or if your partner has all the right piercings, you can actually use their dick as a bong. <laughs> Tell me you've seen the vagina bong. I haven't seen it's a vagina an bong. actual thing. I don't need to see a vagina okay, bong. Okay, great. Now, no one does. <laughs> it's, it's, it's atrocity. Are you high right now? Uh, yes, uh, oh, but I want to get higher. <laughs> okay, I am, I am stone cold sober. We have a selection of edibles here for me tonight. There's a jelly gummy thing. There are candies. There's a little cake. What's right for me? And I believe we have Maureen Dowd's poison. <laughs> a reporter at the New York Times told me that around the newsroom they call it doubting out now. <laughs> doubting <laughs> off. I love so we okay. have the chocolate bar that Maureen Dowd ate all of, which is 100 grams or something. 100 milligrams. Okay, so if like if edibles were sex toys, that's like the Sibian. <laughs> it's uh -huh. just like, hold on. <laughs> All right, that might be too much for me. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> I'm a delicate flower. <laughs> I have a very sensitive <laughs> spirit animal clitoris for pot. <laughs> Uh, so, so this this little gummy bear right here—that's ten milligrams. That's actually the state of Colorado's recommended dosage. That, that's like your garden variety rabbit. Uh huh. This is just a friendly little vibrator. And this, uh, these are peanut butter and jelly cups. That sounds yummy. Okay, so I haven't seen the—is is it peanut butter and jelly time? Uh, <laughs> oh, I like these guys. They actually—they get bees high. <laughs> They have, they have, like, uh, their own honeycombs. Uh, I assume the bees are getting high. I'm not really sure how it works. Uh, but this is local honey. Oh, wow. Um, I, I don't know. I'd be, but I, it's really hard to tell how many milligrams are in here. That's how you doubt out. Ten milligrams? Somebody shout out to the audience. Per serving, eight to ten active THC. All right. I mean, I would, I would eat one of those with you. Wait, who just yelled, eat it, way too enthusiastically? <laughs> You eat one, all right? You eat five. Check back in a week. And this is a sucker? <laughs> That'll take too long, right? Yeah, so, well, I mean, are you a chewer or a sucker? I'm a chewer. Uh, well, then, I mean, come on. You can get, you can get right through that thing. Uh, and that's a mountain medicine. So that's going to have a little bit of CBD. That's the thing they give all the children with epilepsy. So in case you're going to have, like, a seizure later. Uh, okay, nope. <laughs> Not doing that. <laughs> okay, so we winnered it down to Maureen Dowd's chocolate bar or right. the jelly peanut butter thing. Which should I do? You pick. You dose me, dude. You're the critic. How much do you regularly... You say you, edibles are your preferred method. How, how regularly do you eat edibles? Uh, once every other week or so. Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> what have you eaten recently? Uh, I just had a glass of milk and some hummus. Are you my grandma? <laughs> yes. Okay. All right. Somebody backstage said if you're going to get high, you need some milk in your stomach so there's fat for the pot to bind with or something. I just do what the pot people right in this town tell me to do. 
And one of your stone friends said, get a glass of milk. Do you still have any milk left? No. It's Can all, we get him another glass of milk? Because I think peanut butter and jelly time is the way to go. They're on board. This is going to take a sec to open. <laughs> Everything's it, so hard to open. It, it's childproof containers. Uh, no, so squeeze on the sides. Yes, you did it. I like how you grabbed it just fully and just death gripped it. I've although inc- I know I've that's not the term anymore. Yeah. Are you having one? Yeah. I'll have one. I think so. Uh, Dan's now throwing edibles into the crowd. For no, the no, I am not. At home. For liability not reasons, randomly. that did not actually happen. Nope. <laughs> All right, I'm going to eat this thing. Here we go. Cheers. Cheers. As pastry, it lacks something. <laughs> Does it taste like it's been sitting in a childproof container for about a week? It tastes like it's been sitting in someone's dirty jockstrap for about <laughs> a week, which usually wouldn't bother me. I mean, I don't mean to, I don't mean to insult the good bakers. It's just got that, like, there's always that over those notes of pot in an edible. All right, so I'm not high, because I just ate. You are high and going to get higher. <laughs> I mean, wait, how higher? <laughs> wait, did you... <laughs> Okay, uh, no, I had a whole one and a little bit of that one. Because you said enough. it was like 8 grams, so I wanted to get 10. Yeah, you can go up to 20. Oh, no. No, 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 no. Let's not, we don't need to pressure anybody. This Dan, is what do you want to do? What do you want to do? I want to get through the podcast. <laughs> I don't want to be <laughs> scraping my face up off the floor during the second half of the shoe. Shoe. <laughs> Speaking of the show, we, this is a sex advice show, so you're going to take a couple of sex advice questions with me. Yes, let's do it. Remember, the only qualification you need to give someone your advice is that they were fool enough to ask you for it. That's my only qualification. <laughs> I am deputizing you. Ooh. So these questions now came to both of us. How do I tell my dad I'm a burlesque dancer? I wasn't necessarily going to tell my parents because they are a tad conservative, but my mom found out accidentally. She seems fine with it. And now I don't know how to tell my dad. I'm his little girl, and I'm worried he won't understand it. Ooh. Uh, so start with some weed. Right. <laughs> Is Get that your prescription nice for everything? Get dad high. <laughs> Get dad high. I mean, what's wrong with dad? No, if, if mom knows, but you're assuming she hasn't told dad yet. So mom's, mom's really on board. You've made an important life choice, uh, which is to earn little to no money to wear pasties in public. And I support that choice, and your dad will too. You're a much nicer advice columnist than I am. Because <laughs> I was going to say, fuck you. Fuck you. Like, I looked my Catholic dad in the face 35 years ago and said, I put dicks in my mouth, dad. Not a part of burlesque. Not a part of burlesque. <laughs> Not for the burlesque show down at the Catholic <laughs> Church. No, Dad. Would that have made it easier coming out if it was part of your burlesque performance? Yeah, my burlesque act. <laughs> Dad, it's just a role I play. <laughs> In the rectory on Sundays after Mass. <laughs> and I mean, I mean fuck you in the nicest possible way. Just like ovary up. Get brave. Think of all the people who looked their parents in the face and told them things when it was a lot harder to tell them those things. All those people who were coming out 40 years ago about whatever at a time when your family could have you committed and lobotomized for being a lesbian, which fucking happened to people. And you're afraid of telling your dad that you are a burlesque dancer? 
Brave up, ovary up, tap into it. Own it, own it, own it, own it. Unless it's like an open mic burlesque night, at which point. (laughs) (laughs) What should I say when I don't want to have sex, but it's clear my partner really does? Oh, I have a headache. Well, uh, no. (laughs) Sorry, shit. Now my excuse is burnt. Um, No. I, I do uh, uh, this all the time because I'm a busy person. You're a busy person. Every busy. once in a while, the, the, the flesh isn't willing, uh, but the mind is. And I just I try and be honest about that, uh, but also that it's nothing personal, uh, that this is my thing, uh, that that's my weirdness going on, and uh, hopefully we can be honest about that. Wow, that's really complicated. All I say is, why don't I play with your tits while you jack off? You should try that. <laughs> like, I'm going to help you. It's an assist. I will help you. I'll help you get off. Or I'll sit on your face, and I'll look at my phone while you jack off. So, so my, partner, my partner can't get off by, by herself. What? She can't get herself off. She can't get herself off? No. Oh, my God. I know. That's, I, feel so, I feel so terrible for you, and I think that she might be lying to you. <laughs> I hope she's lying to you. She is beat red right now. Oh, good. (laughs) (laughs) Like, she she can't climax when she masturbates all by her little lonesome? Uh, Not for years. Uh, She went a year without an orgasm. Oh. Yeah, thank you. You guys are right. She was wrong. Get a video. Try something. (laughs) I hope you still have a girlfriend at the end of this conversation. As a... (laughs) Be careful stoned in front of a mic, right? (laughs) As I will need to be in about 20 minutes. As a white 25-year-old woman, I only want to date Asian men. Is that a bad thing? Is it me fetishizing them, or is it a legitimate thing to want? Ooh. Uh, Well, (laughs) I keep seeing this coming up in my Pornhub feed, but there's a specific, like, title for it. There's, like, an acronym. Uh, So if Pornhub's doing it, I guess you're cool. You know, (laughs) I don't think we should just allow Pornhub to set the bar, all of them. But I have to say that one of the things you hear from a lot of Asian men, gay and straight, is that the culture sort of desexualizes them, treats them, convinces them that they are not sexually desirable. You never see Asian men represented as sexually desirable. And... You know, and and that really carves a groove in a lot of people. That's why you see shitty things like no Asians on a lot of people's bullshit, shitty, cruel, obnoxious, racist personal ads, particularly gay men, and fuck you gay men who do that. So it would be sad, I think, that well, there's so many people out there who aren't attracted to Asian guys because they haven't really thought about it. Ali Wong, who's a terrific stand-up comedian. Uh, I love Ali Wong. She's great. Says sleeping with an Asian guy is like sleeping with a dolphin. It's so sexy and sleek. Hairless and firm. I just want to say I've never put no Asians on anything. Good. (laughs) Nor have I. So I think to tell someone who actually prefers Asian guys, when we live in a world where so many guys who do not, and women who don't prefer Asian guys are so vocal about it, to tell the people who are attracted to Asian guys that they shouldn't be vocal about it isn't helping. So be vocal about it. You are into Asian guys. Let them fucking know. One last question for you. I'm a gardener who's always wanted to bang some foxy, older housewife client, Milf. (laughs) 
<laughs> How do I go about this on the interwebs without being a sex worker? Can I do that? I still would like to be paid for the gardening. I just want to say for the record, I thought all the questions were going to be about weed. <laughs> and this one was like the closest. <laughs> and it's your question too, so there's that overlap as well. <laughs> so what should you do? Oh, um, Number one, find a woman who's growing weed. Uh, I find that older women who experiment with weed are more sexually adventurous, uh, especially edibles. Oh, I love that, woohoo. Uh, but I, oh, to get paid for it too. I think that's where the paid gray the area comes in, right? That's where the sex worker dodges. The, you know, sex workers, you don't pay them for sex, you pay them for their time. They're going to escort you here and there to the opera, to the symphony, to your to knees. <laughs> but you're not paying for the sex. Whatever two consenting adults want to do when they're together, they can do. You're yeah. paying them for their time. So you're being paid for your gardening. I feel like you could find cheaper gardeners elsewhere. <laughs> like if you're going to set a sex worker gardeners. <laughs> right. I think you should just be open to being flirtatious. I mean, you can put out a sexy gardener ad. I will garden naked. We know people. I have a friend who's done that. Yeah, the naked gardener is a thing. <laughs> I'm cool with that. How frequently were they propositioned? Uh, pretty frequently. Well, when you're paying someone to bend over your petunias <laughs> naked, you're paying for the view, and you might want to visit the valley after you've seen the view. Do we have any live questions? Anyone want to be brave enough to ask something into a microphone? No. Come on, you can do it. Come on, you can do it. So we can take a live question. If somebody has a live question, we don't have to all do cards. Right Oop. there, we have a live question. Hi. So this is more of a biological question. I know that's not always your strong suit. You usually have people on for that. <laughs> Definitely not mine. <laughs> well, then we'll, we'll involve you, too. Um, so I've been watching a lot of RuPaul's Drag Race. And I was walking, and I thought drag queens uh, have to tuck a lot. Yes. Do we have any... Evidence that that lowers sperm count in any way? I was just curious. It just occurred to me. Well, I was a drag queen for 10 years and tucked. Most drag queens are gay men. So (laughs) if it is damaging sperm count, you would need some sort of cum sommelier who could just swirl it around in a glass, smell it, take a little sip and spit it into a bucket and tell you that it has an oaky finish and not many swimmers. <laughs> because most gay men who do drag aren't out there trying to make babies. So they're not going to find out when most guys find out that they have a low sperm count, which is when they're trying to make a baby. Most gay men don't make babies. The Ted Haggards of the world notwithstanding. <laughs> <laughs> and I will say from the weed perspective, uh, there are plenty of people that have uh, said smoking seeds or stems will decrease your sperm count. No, It just makes your sperm taste more like weed. And that's a good thing or a bad thing? Depends on your partner. Ooh, I have an interesting story from long ago, and I will share this, and then I will tell you to go away. (laughs) But you've been great. Uh, A million years ago, I got a question from somebody who got drug tested at work and flunked, and they found THC in his system, 
and in his urine, but it was because he was drinking the pee of all these guys who were smoking pot. So let that be a lesson to you. We don't know if tucking lowers your sperm count, but guzzling the piss of guys who, or women who smoke pot can lead you to flunk your drug test. <laughs> you should do a column about it for the Denver Post. You should do a column about it. I the... did do a column about it. <laughs> Jake Brown, columnist for the Denver Post. Stand-up comedian. Also, thank you so much. Now we've come to a very awkward uh, portion of the evening. I'm going to need a volunteer. Oh, and the hands all go up. But you don't even know what you've volunteered for yet. We're calling this the butt plug challenge. Is your hand still up? Okay. Can I have the butt plug and the stuff? One of the new products that is on the market uh, in our new recreational pot paradise is pot lube, which I didn't know was a thing. Pot lube, ladies and gentlemen, from Washington State. I don't know if you bitches have this here yet. <laughs> I flew with this in my rectum because I didn't know if they would take it away from me. And I don't know how quickly or effectively you can get high using pot lube, and I've heard different stories from different people. So we want to do science tonight. with a data point of one <laughs> and no control group because these things are expensive. It's a quality butt plug and you get to leave with it. So here's the deal. I need a volunteer who's willing to go backstage into a private bathroom, coat this butt plug with marijuana lube, pot lube, and then hang out and let us know how high or not high they're getting. Okay, one more... Now, okay, you were the first hand up. Now I have to ask, did you drive here? You were driven here. You will drive him home? Did you bike here? Are you sober? Will you stay sober? Will you make sure if he gets completely fucking fried that he's home in bed watching Netflix and chilling later? And not sort of running through town, jumping in front of trams, getting a tattoo. You have to stop all of that from happening. The liability is all on you. I'm shifting it to you psychically now. Okay? So you're willing to go backstage, shove this butt plug in, and then hang out for the next 90 minutes. You would love nothing more? Come on up on stage. Oh, wait. So while Joe, and Joe is his name, while he shoves that big black thing in his ass, is that the first big black thing that's been in his ass? No. Well, he shoves that big black thing in his ass, I'm just going to take some more questions. From a straight female who loves receiving oral sex but hates the taste and feel of giving blowjobs, how do I learn to like them? Uh, cock is an acquired taste. And you would benefit from acquiring. It's like Guinness. Nobody likes Guinness the first time, right? But you stick with it, and you have a few more pints, and you have a black and tan once in a while, and then you develop a taste for Guinness. I don't know what the dick equivalent of a black and tan would be. Maybe it would be a flavored lubricant, which I think are disgusting. Until there's Brad Pitt flavored lube, I have no desire to use flavored lubricant, or Matt Damon flavored lube, I have no desire 
Ryan Gosling. I should, should throw out an example who's under 50, right? You just have to stick with it, and you have to find somebody who you want to eat in every respect. That said, there are some women out there who like to be on the receiving end of oral, who hate sucking dick. We are entitled to our preferences. If you've given it a try, and a try, and a try, and a try, and a gag, and a gag, and a gag, and it doesn't work for you, and you're never going to like it, there are guys out there who do not like to have their dicks sucked. And some of them, I know, they're out there. <laughs> you know what? Don't ooh that. That's actually really a problem for me professionally. Because guys who don't like having their dicks, so there are gay guys out there who don't like to have anal sex. There are straight guys out there who don't like getting blowjobs. But the, you know, every movie, every porn thing, every dirty story, every joke makes it seem like blowjobs are just the be-all and end-all. They're every guy's favorite thing. So when a woman encounters a guy who doesn't want her to suck his dick, the next day she writes me a letter asking if he's gay. Or what's wrong with him? And there's nothing necessarily wrong with him. He just doesn't like blowjobs so much. You can either acquire a taste, find a guy who doesn't like blowjobs, or get married, which I hear is the end of head. <laughs> For straight people. <laughs> Do you need any help eating all that cake? <laughs> Willing to go get my strap on to make it relevant. Um, for those of you listening at home, the stage is littered with Cheetos and Doritos and the regular ones, not the gay ones, and Rice Krispie treats and Little Debbie snack cakes and Lay's potato chips and Fritos, and there are giant sheet cakes up here, and this is one of the ways I am being tortured tonight, because as a gay man of a certain age, I don't eat this shit. Carbs, snacks... I can't, right? And so one of the ways I know I'm getting high is I will start eating this shit <laughs> and not stop. So Tracy, my mean lesbian boss, thought it would be hysterical to litter the stage with temptations for me. <laughs> so all those cakes, they're for me. <laughs> and I think I will probably be eating them tonight when this is over. But actually, maybe I will share later, uh, if you're good. I'm a 30... Four-year-old cis woman not interested in having kids. In dating, at what point do I ask where they stand on kids? Well, you shouldn't stand on kids. <laughs> have to say that first. I think a couple months in, you have that kid conversation. And please, don't equivocate on the kid thing. You have kids or you don't have kids. There's no middle ground. There's no half a kid. It's taking a while. Does it usually take this long? It was a big butt plug. Are you his boyfriend? Yeah? How long does it take usually to, like, slide in? Is he a just, like, drive-at-home guy, or do you have to, like, let him breathe and gradually sink down onto your dick? Is it gradual sinking onto the dick? All right, well, we should take some more questions then. Thank you, Dan. We got married two weeks ago, and as a longtime listener, I took your advice. We fucked first before the wedding... Good job. And it was awesome. Thank you. This guy that I know has a superpower. After having sex, he will sometimes have a second orgasm when he pees for the first time after finishing. Why is this and should he be concerned? I don't know why that is. And I don't think he should be concerned. I think he should be delighted. And I hope he's... And I'm curious how you know about this second orgasm as he's peeing. 
Is he peeing on you? That was not a rhetorical question. Stomp your foot twice for yes, once for no. I have no idea. You know, some guys, there are, there are guys who have this mutation where they don't produce prolactin, which is the hormone that men release after they ejaculate, which causes men to com become completely disinterested in sex, causes their erections to go away, and makes them sleepy. So all this shit for years that we heard that men were terrible and men were assholes because they were so selfish, after they came, they would just roll over and fall asleep. That's by fucking design. And it's one of the ways we know that we are not a naturally monogamous species. Because men are designed to collapse in a heap after they come, whereas women can keep going and going and going after they come. So he's supposed to fall asleep so you can roll over and fuck the other guy in the cave <laughs> and knock him out with your vagina power and then fuck the other guy in the cave. But there are guys who have a specific mutation where they don't produce prolactin and they have that no refractory period. That's that chunk of time that can be anything from 20 minutes to 12 weeks where <laughs> a guy has no interest in sex. Uh, but some guys don't have a refractory period because they don't make prolactin and they just can have an orgasm after an orgasm and after an orgasm. They are multi-orgasmic and they are rare and delightful. I've been with one and it was a little, ex actually, you know, it wasn't so delightful because he was like never done. One of the things I always liked about being a fag was like, I came, you came, done. And, you know, if you're with a woman who's, like, pussy power and multi-orgasmic, like, I came, you came, you came, you came, you came. Can we be done now? <laughs> and with guys, it was always, like, done, done, good. Ice cream, TV. <laughs> but with this guy, it was, like, done, 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 done. It was, like, Law and Order was playing <laughs> in the background. We're in. The butt plug has landed. All right, come on out. The butt plug has landed. <laughs> How's it feel? Pretty solid in there. Whoever picked that out, they were they were very ambitious. Do you know I who picked like. that butt plug out? Who, who? My mean lesbian boss. She does not like gay men, which I think might be related somehow to having worked with me for 10 years. So when we said, go get a butt plug, she knew it was going to probably be some gay dude's ass, and she was just like, I'm getting the one with spikes on it. I feel that. <laughs> so are you high yet? I'm not, no. So this is the baseline, not high. Not high yet. Okay, I'm going to make you answer a couple of sex advice questions. You are now a deputized sex advice professional. Excellent. 33-year-old, old-fashioned female, single for the first time in nine years, divorce. What's your best advice for getting into this game in 2015 Help, I don't know how to be single. Wow. Well, my advice, I guess, um, what worked for me would be going online, like posting a personal ad. Um, yeah, getting on OkCupid or something like that. Tinder. Uh, yeah, there's a million options today. Uh, you can kind of tailor exactly what you're looking for. I don't know. Good advice. I would recommend reading Aziz Ansari's book, Modern Romance. <laughs> For an overview of your options. And one of the things that he and his co-author, Eric Kleinenberg, dug up was, were these studies that show that people, they spend all this time on their OkCupid profiles, Match.com, eHarmony for bigots, Christian Mingle, <laughs> Farmers Only. They spend all this time answering the questions, constructing all of these responses, saying what it is that they want, 
But then when people actually respond to ads, they respond, they look at a picture and they respond, that's it, period. They don't read anything else. If there's a picture that resonates with them, they will, res- they will send that person a message even if that person is nothing like the person they described wanting to date. So I think Tinder is great, and all of my friends swear by it who are straight. Uh, I think this is an appropriate question for you, and it's the second one that I pulled out just for you. How big is it? Like, I don't, I don't know exact diameters and, and figures. I would say three-inch diameter, maybe, conservatively. It feels bigger than that. <laughs> we have three questions. Sex on the first date. Deal breaker? Situational. Do old-fashioned gentlemen still exist, or am I dreaming of the impossible? They do. They do still exist. How does a nice and attractive woman avoid the friend zone? The friend zone is not real. He's right. The friend zone, people have it in their heads. It's this like place you can wander into, like a bad neighborhood. You can wander into it <laughs> by accident. It just means that they're not, they don't want to fuck you. They're not attracted to you. They don't want to be with you. And when they say shit like, I just value our friendship so much, they're lying. They're lying. It's a little white lie, like, it's not you, it's me, all those bullshit white lies we talk about on the podcast. When you hear, I value our friendship so much, you need to auto-translate into, I will never fuck you. I'm not attracted to you romantically in that way, and they're just trying to be nice about it. But it has led so many people who can't do the auto-translate to believe that there is this magic friend trap that you can fall into, and there isn't. They want to fuck you or they don't want to fuck you. Period. The end. Exactly. Oh, I'm really sorry I have to answer this question. (laughs) Forgive me in advance. I'm mostly asexual, but my best friend isn't. How can I help her be sure she's happy, though currently single, when I don't really get the need for non-platonic relationships? I don't think you should view your friend's relationship in the context of your own desires, is what I I would say. (laughs) If I wasn't such an asshole, that's such a great response. I would just leave it at that. Like, you must have friends who own dogs and you don't like dogs, but you can empathize when their dog dies. You can understand that attachment to that horrifying, smelly shit machine. (laughs) I'm sorry, if dogs were humans, we would have them institutionalized. (laughs) They're covered with hair, you have to pick their shit up off the floor, and they never get any smarter. If that was your kid... I told you I'm not a nice person. (laughs) So what it seems to me that you're doing with this question is sort of pointing at your asexuality and trying to make this about your asexuality. You should be able to empathize. You can understand intellectually, even if you don't understand personally and experientially, your friend's dilemma. Just like I can understand, I can appreciate that some people enjoy conolingus and miss it when they don't have it in their lives, even though I don't get it. I don't get it. Do you get cunnilingus? I do not, no. <laughs> well, it's unanimous tonight here at the Lovecast. We, who gets cunnilingus? Raise your hand. <laughs> All these guys raised their hands, and of course, I start thinking, really, you're trans? <laughs> one more question for you. Oh, this is a weird one. I once had a girlfriend that made me wear latex gloves when I pleasured her with my hands. 
is there any medical reason to back her up on this insistence that we use hand condoms? I wouldn't say there's a medical reason, but there's definitely such a thing as a latex fetish or a, a medical fetish that your your girlfriend may may be involved in. May have or had. Or may have. She was 18? <laughs> well, maybe she had a traumatic experience where she lost a ring or a watch in someone once. <laughs> And didn't want that to happen to you. She's just looking out for your jewelry. Am I high? Do I seem high yet? I'll take a couple of questions and you guys can tell me if my advice is deteriorating. My sister, who purports to be a feminist, is a giant slut shamer. Given that she doesn't have time to read any material I send her way, what she means is I won't read it, how can I convey to her the harm in this attitude? Well, if she's dodging the reading material, she knows it's harmful and she's sticking with it. She doesn't want to know better. She wants to be a slut shamer. You know, she's your sister. She's not your car. You don't have to make sure it's in good working order. You don't rely on her to get to work in the morning. You can just say to your sister, your head's up your ass. Fuck you. Stop saying that shit in front of me. And then every time she says that shit in front of you, fuck you. Your head's up your ass. Stop saying that shit in front of me. Eventually... She will stop saying that shit in front of you. It seems to me that if when she says this shit, you engage and you have long arguments and you send her articles, this may be negative attention-seeking behavior. She may be slut-shaming because she likes the response it gets from you. You are, in a sense, incentivizing the slut-shaming by trying to fix her. Don't try to fix her. Just tell her to get fucked. I have a friend that will only go to gay bars because what's in it for him at straight bars? He will even mock me for going to straight bars. Not sure if I like the specific title of gay bar. I understand it's a place to meet others that have similar sexual ambitions. (laughs) But wondering if you think the specific title will change or any help in the LGBT community in meeting people in the future. Well, we have the fucking internet to meet each other now. We don't really need the gay bars so much anymore, much to the consternation of the gay bars, many of which are closing. Uh, I'm into gay bars. You know, sometimes people say, wouldn't it be great if we said bars for everybody? Do we have to segregate like that and have a gay bar? When you are a tiny percentage of the population, you occasionally need to be in a space where you are the majority or the presumptive presence. Particularly valuable for invisible minorities. We sometimes have a harder time spotting each other across a crowded fucking room. So we need the gay bars. We need the place where you can go up to somebody and say, would you like to suck my cock? Or will you put this big black butt plug in your ass using this (laughs) pot lube? How's it going? Are you high yet? That may be a sign that I may be a little high. Any live questions? Anybody want to go toe-to-toe with the stone fag? (laughs) Right there, up the middle aisle. All right, so I'm like a 44-year-old female, and it used to be when I was either masturbating or my husband was going down on me that um, it would, like, start feeling really good, really good, really good, really good, really good, and then, like, oh, don't touch me! Right? You know, mm-hmm. like, just overstimulated. 
But then, like, that was the orgasm part, and it was awesome. But so now what, is there a question? Or no, is the it problem just, uh, is now that it's like, it's starting to feel really good. Don't touch me. Oh, it's starting to feel too intense? Right, like instantly. And it's, and, and it's either if I'm masturbating. God, this is so embarrassing in front of everybody. You asked for the mic. We didn't throw it at I you. I know. <laughs> no, but like, it's, it's like I miss, I'm skipping the awesome part. And I'm going straight to the like overstimulated part. Mm-hmm. What the fuck? Yeah, that sounds awful. Any other questions? Um, This is one of those questions where I would get on the phone and get on email and find my guest experts who might be able to tell me what is going on with your lady bits. That's officially what's known as above the stone fag pay grade. Question, because it's probably a medical issue. You are 44, it could be an aging issue. Are your... Women are in their prime in their 40s, but different people age at different rates. There are men... It could. I'm just speculating. <laughs> and I'm stoned, but you're rude. Ouch. I'm just telling the bitch to go to the doctor, all right? Go to the doctor. You don't know. Maybe there's a monkey in your vagina, and you don't know it's there. It could be worms. A tapeworm that got really badly lost. Won't ask for directions. Doesn't know where it's going. Go to the doctor. You tell her to go to the doctor in that rude way you have. (laughs) I'm just kidding. Where can I find a bi guy? In the closet. (laughs) I take no delight in saying that. 75 plus percent of all lesbians and gays are out to all the most important people in their lives. And only fewer, I think, 24% of bisexuals. And that's because people are shitty to bisexuals and blah, blah, blah. But bi invisibility is going to be a problem until more bi people are out. And so many bi guys are in the closet because they're terrified of being out. Because no one will believe that they're bi. Bi guys come out to women and women are like, faggot. This incentivizes coming out as bi. So we need to stop that. And bi guys are great. I have bi friends who are awesome (laughs) in bed. So you should find a bi, you know, where you can find a bi guy in the closet. Let's make the world a better place for bisexuals, and then more of them will be out and easier to fuck. Yes, a live question. Go ahead. Hi. So I'm a bisexual woman, and I currently work with my ex-girlfriend. And And you what? I work with my ex-girlfriend in a professional setting, and it's really hard. She's pretty terrible and manipulative and has a new girlfriend and did things like posted a picture of her and her new girlfriend in her office. And Wait, I your mean, ex-girlfriend can't post a picture of her and her new girlfriend in her office? She can do that. But I have a hard time... <laughs> I have a hard time navigating that dynamic. So what is your advice around that? Have a drink every day before you go to work. You just, that's just some shit you have to power through. Were you guys already working together when you started fucking? So nobody but yourselves to blame, right? What does they say about shitting where you eat? You shat where you ate, and now you gotta smell it. Until it's fully decomposed and it just smells like rich, loamy earth again in which we can grow the divine bud. You know, those awkward moments when you've broken up with somebody and you see them, it would just be so great if people could just acknowledge, I hope you acknowledge each other, you're civil to each other, just acknowledge each other, because you know what, the awkwardness isn't going to evaporate any faster if you ice people out. 
Just look at him, make eye contact, nod. That's all you got to do. And then, I don't know, do something crazy with that picture of her and her new girlfriend in her office. <laughs> like smear the entire picture with your whatevers. <laughs> I think I'm getting a little high. <laughs> it's taking me longer. All right, one more question, then we'll bring out our panel. 33-year-old female, married 10 years, together 15, wondering about how to best pursue a poly third. Complications? I've only fucked one person, and I'm married to him. He's okay with me fucking other people. Oh, also, we have three kids. <laughs> we'll leave them out of it in every sense. Don't fuck them and don't tell them who you're fucking. First rule of kid zone. <laughs> What's the best way to pursue a poly third? I think you would say online. I would say online. Not at the PTA meetings, that's for sure. <laughs> and not the mothers of your kids' friends, not them. Put yourself out there the way people, people put themselves out there. Oh, my God. I think I'm high. I think I'm there. Too high to be operating the machinery of one of iTunes' top podcasts. All right, we are going to bring out our panel because I can no longer trust myself to do this alone, and poor Joe here is high, too. I am a sex expert giving advice while high in Denver. Who better to help me out? Who better to join me and keep an eye on me than a panel of pot experts? Come on out, guys. I'm going to introduce them one after the other right down the line. Christian Cederberg is a cannabis advocacy attorney who is instrumental in the creation and passage of Amendment 64, which legalized marijuana in Colorado. That amendment passed the same day the same kind of amendment passed in Washington State, where we did it at the same time. Christian and his firm continue to advocate for cannabis reform around the United States and in other countries. A couple of questions for Christian first. What got you into marijuana activism in the first place? You're a nice Catholic boy. A good friend, uh, mentor, it's my business partner, Brian Vicente. Uh, it's nice he's also my hero, also my business partner slash hero, uh, along with Steve Fox and some other folks here, but he... We skied together. We had a ski condo together, and we, I thought it was And amazing. you thought, you know what might make this skiing really fun? Right. If we could find some marijuana on I, this I, mountain, if it was, like, I was legal. Like, I was like, I would love to smoke marijuana, but I have to wait till it's legal. Because, right. You know. <laughs> a nation of snowboarders is like, I wonder what this would be like high. Yeah, they, yeah, they, drove, they drove it. It was great. Were you surprised when the amendment passed here? Uh, we knew that we had a very good chance going in with polling, but I, I literally thought we were going to get fucked. by the Like, they were going to stuff the polls. You know, something was going to happen. I, I was not convinced until it actually happened about an hour before Washington State. <laughs> oh, wait. Also known as the exact same fucking time, because you're an hour ahead. <laughs> I, adju I adjusted for time zones. I adjusted for time zones. We'll check that out. Have you ever given sex advice in public before? Amateur, bad, you know, poorly, yes. He'll give you advice whenever you want. Are you high? I am. We're, we're all plug-in, actually. 
It's a, it's a new, it's a, it's a new, it's a new thing. Everyone's doing it. Started about two hours ago. <laughs> so I don't think you're as committed. <laughs> hey, hey, hey! What he's trying to say is you have a community now. You need a flag and a parade. Right. Exactly. Next up on our panel is Jane West. She's the founder of Women Grow, the largest professional network in the cannabis industry, with chapters meeting monthly in 35 cities nationwide. Jane is also the CEO of JaneWest.com, which curates a collection of premier cannabis brands and produces sophisticated events normalizing cannabis use. So women grow. Yes. The pot industry is a lot like the tech industry. It's just a dude-dominated space, isn't it? Yes. That, that, well, well, not anymore. According to the Chicago Tribune this morning, the cannabis industry has a better gender ratio on average than any other industry in America at 36%. <laughs> But you want to improve those numbers. I want to improve those numbers even more. We have a nationwide network of women in 35 cities that meet on the first Thursday of every month. And it's becoming quite a robust group. And a lot of success is coming out of it. It's very exciting. So quickly tell us about your sophisticated events. And that's been a rocky road, I understand, getting those sophisticated events yes. off the ground. Yes, yes. Because um, people here are not sophisticated. No, people here are very sophisticated, and they want to use cannabis in a social setting uh, because it's legal here. Uh, we started Edible Events Company to have sophisticated events for cannabis consumers. Um, when the SWAT team showed up, kind of put an end to that. Pulled um, all the butt plugs out of all the sophisticates. <laughs> right, right. God forbid... On Easter morning at Waken Bacon Brunch, we can just enjoy cannabis instead of mimosas. God, God forbid. Really, so, a SWAT team broke really, up that an party. An eight-person SWAT team, absolutely. I am a criminal in the city of Denver. <laughs> One of your goals is to normalize pot use among women. Yes. Because a lot of people think only guys are stoners, only guys smoke pot. So I'm curious uh, what you think of Alana and Abby on Broad City. Are they, they have to be the highest profile <laughs> No, I love them. lady I love pot them. smokers in the I country. Them. I love them. Unfortunately, more women in America are watching women get drunk on Bravo instead of watching awesome comedy like that. So I can't tell you until I get high with them myself, but I'm a big, big fan. Have you ever given sex advice in public before? Uh, I only give sex advice in public. <laughs> so. And are you high? I am. Okay. Plug in. We're, we're, we're not in alone, Denver. Joe. We're not alone. <laughs> Kayvon Kalatbari is the co-founder and co-owner of Denver Relief, the oldest medical marijuana dispensary in Denver. He's also the owner of Sexy Pizza and the man behind Sex Pot Comedy and Birdie Magazine. So, Kayvon, Denver Relief, originally a medical marijuana dispensary, and so is it, and now that sells recreational marijuana. So is it true what conservatives said all along, that medical marijuana was just a scam, an effort to sneak recreational marijuana into our brave country? Well, you know, we, we were just chatting about this earlier, me and some folks upstairs, that we're going to see a state very soon move directly to recreational. You know, that's inevitable. But it doesn't discount the fact that cannabis is a great medicine for a lot of people. That's been proven. There, there are studies internationally and, and, and in the country here. But it, was the goal all along to legalize recreational? Let's just finally admit safer it. Safer alternative for enjoyable recreation. I'm all for it. <laughs> and, you know, the, the, the Christian part of this, Steve Fox, who Christian mentioned earlier, 
Um, you know, Steve is really kind of the brainchild of SAFER, which started the movement as we know it here in Colorado today. And uh, yeah, it, it certainly started as such, but baby steps, we're changing perception over time. So you uh, run this uh, Denver Relief, you run a pizza place, magazines, you produce comedy shows, and that's a nice scam, actually, selling the pot and the pizza. They're very synergistic. <laughs> that's a scam all by itself. Very synergistic. Come here and the I'll get you high across the street, and there's my pizza parlor. Oh, and you feel like laughing? Isn't pot supposed to make you lazy and unproductive, and here you have all this shit going on? Uh, you know, I've consumed cannabis every day since I was 15. Um, I've lived on my own since I was 16, graduated college when I was 19. Um, if anything, it, it, I think it allowed me that opportunity. Um, it helped my mind settle down. It helped me be me. So I, you know, I think that's all part of what we're doing here, uh, everybody on the stage, is, again, normalizing. Normal's an awful word, but we're normalizing the use because it's not that different than, than this. It's a lot safer. Um, but th there's a lot of things, um, a lot of people uh, that use cannabis that nobody would ever think uses it. And that's been the great part about this movement, is seeing those people come out of the closet. Should we normalize butt plug? <laughs> it ain't hurt me, are. is it? I mean, <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely? <laughs> yeah. Is it working? It is. It's creeping up. I feel it. <laughs> it's a creeper. It's a creeper. <laughs> all right, here we go. You guys are going to, you're in this with me. We're all in this together, all of us high people up here on this stage. Who's high out there? How alone are we? Wow, I expected more high people here. You didn't, ask, you didn't ask me if I was high. Are you high? I am. Okay. <laughs> Do you wonder why I didn't ask you? <laughs> Is that eating away? That's fair. This was the first day Did of his paranoid? life he didn't, yeah. since he was 15. He didn't. 35-year-old straight woman, I've always wanted to have multiple orgasms, but I think I come too hard the first time, simultaneously clit and G-spot, and I think I'm too sensitive then to come again. What would you suggest? Marijuana. I am a 39-year-old woman, and I definitely have spent most of my life having sex with as alcohol as my substance of choice, and it's definitely something that, like, makes me more impulsive and, like, fuels all of that, like, leading to a goal, but having replaced cannabis with alcohol as my primary substance of choice, it's definitely slowing everything down and allows me to kind of more travel inside and really experience it more than I've ever had before. So, so you think this might help her put some air between the clit orgasm and the G-spot orgasm? Just take a breath, all right? Just let's just take a few deep breaths and like really spend our time being present and enjoying what you're doing right now. Next question. What would you tell a 13-year-old, Christian? No legalese here either. What would you... Tell a 13-year-old who asked about putting a pencil up their butt. <laughs> Looks easy, this sex advice gig, doesn't it? Until, you, until you're on the spot. Uh, um, wow. I, I honestly have no idea what I would tell you. Don't do it. Is eraser you know. first. I think Joe got you right there. Exactly. Did <laughs> you say eraser first? That's good advice. That's solid advice. Does my 42-year-old Baptist-raised boyfriend love me? He acts like he does, and my friends think he does, but he has never uttered the words, I love you. Is he using the fact that my divorce, which is filed, is not finalized? Is he here? Because I'll yell at him if he's here. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know anything about feelings or love or marriage, so I... <laughs> <laughs> You'll go far in my industry. I'm pretty cold inside. 
I was thinking about something else and wasn't listening to the question. <laughs> <laughs> Can you please repeat it? Please? Oh my God, we have this question no, of such, such heartbreak and pathos. <laughs> and our advice for you is eraser end first. Uh, I mean... Answering the question with a question, have you, have you said that to them? Have you told them that that's an important thing to you? Is it something you've expressed because, you know, I mean, that communication seems to be the key here. Yeah, this is what's, what we call in the biz the unanswerable question. Because the only way to know what's going on in your 42-year-old Baptist race boyfriend's head is to pry it open right. and dig around. Uh, you can't even just ask him straight up because could lie. He's a Baptist. My Catholic grandma told me we couldn't trust those people (laughs) because of the terrible things they would say about the Pope. We're very far afield of your question now. Joe, you've gave the best sex advice tonight so far. You want to try to field this one? No, that's the same one. Oh, it's the same one. (laughs) Um, Well, I would say we don't have enough information, obviously. Um, I don't know the details of your relationship, but... Um, if he acts like he does and your friends think that he does, I don't know. Do you trust your friend's opinion? Like, I think that you, if all of your friends are telling you that this is a good guy, maybe he's probably a good guy. But I think you should also trust your instincts. <laughs> we just need, we need to know more Logan, about your relationship. Trust your instincts is the sex advice equivalent of we got to move like... the ball down the field. <laughs> it's, like, it's like we spoke in sports. Not, not to bag you out or anything. But I think you hit on something important, which is why I was trying to interrupt you. Uh, that if your friends say he does, and he acts as if he does, maybe you should take actions as an answer. He's communicating to you in that way. And if you think it might be about your unfinalized divorce, finalize the fuck out of your divorce and see what happens next. <laughs> Have you before ever heard of the term twat squatting? <laughs> this is a woman sitting on a cake and then someone licking it off. Have we heard of this? Yes. All right, that's settled. My boyfriend takes meds for depression, and it's making it even harder for him to get off. Without the meds, though, he's depressed. How do we choose between orgasm and depression? (laughs) Seems like something he should be choosing. So on the medical cannabis topic, you know, we have arbitrary conditions here in Colorado that were thought up for whatever reason way back when that don't necessarily mean that they're the only things that cannabis is beneficial for. I use cannabis on a daily basis, but I use it for things that aren't qualifying conditions for me. I get it for a broken bone, a non-union bone in my foot, but I use it every day for my anxiety and my sleeplessness and my appetite stimulation and my depression. So, cannabis. I just feel like one, I think the answer tonight is never going to be Vicodin. I think we can rule that out. <laughs> is sucking dick on the first date equally promiscuous as fucking on the first date? Love, slutty bitches at the back bar. Sucking dick on the first date. Equal to fucking on the first date? Sucking dick is more intimate. Really? For, yes. for, for you, Absolutely. maybe? Is, for I me. mean, I, you know, isn't it, is it not, like, are, are you talking about do people view you as more promiscuous or do you view yourself? Because then it's up to you. What, what is more personal to you? What, what would you rather do? In a, what is more personal situation for you? Sucking dick? He's a lawyer. Or, <laughs> this yes, is, he right. sucks a lot of dick. Marijuana law. And promiscuity law, that's our... Slutty is in the eye of the beholder, I feel like. (laughs) But I think what this person might be asking, or the distinction they're making is, 
you know, they want to see oral sex is not all fully sex. So mm-hmm. we just had, you know, we just, I just gave him a blowjob. I didn't fuck him or anything. But you think it's, and I think that's bullshit because sex is sex and oral yeah, like, sex is sex. Its last name is fucking sex. Michelle Obama <laughs> is Ann Obama, not the I Obama. I think if someone comes, it's sex. What? If someone comes, it's sex. Where, where's the come go? I think that definitely. <laughs> Where does the come go? <laughs> what should I do if I'm a white glove bottom and my partner still wants to fuck when the enter at your own risk warning sign is in place? Can I understand what a white glove bottom we'd is? Like to, we'd like to phone a friend. <laughs> this is someone who does not want to bottom for anal sex unless they're absolutely 100% certain that they will produce no Santorum. That there will be no shit present. Remember, the most important word in the definition of Santorum, the frothy mix of lube and fecal matter that is sometimes the byproduct of anal sex, is the word sometimes. Because if you're doing it right, there's no fucking Santorum, upper or lower case. So a white glove bottom is someone who will not have anal sex if they think they're on 100% crystal clean, pure, good to go. And he says he doesn't want his boyfriend fucking him when he's not 100%, but his boyfriend doesn't care. His boyfriend is not afraid of the senator. I'm, I'm not gay, but if I was, I would be one of those things. <laughs> you would be a white glove bottom? I would. I, I, I've only participated in anal sex twice. Um, I was the, the giver both times. Um, it, it concerned me. Uh, yeah. Both times. It was all I could think about. It ruined it for me. Right. <laughs> I didn't hear anything you said. Because I'm really stoned, and I'm, I'm looking for the next question here. I don't think he said Just anything. letting you guys talk. <laughs> so all the non-stoned people in the room, I hope this was worth it. <laughs> We're going to go watch five stoned people. Any live questions? Um, so life gets stressful, and during these times of stress... I might not have sex, or I'm not really like get in the mood to get into it, and my partner might be. So what do you suggest for me to kind of get revved up and into the mood when I'm just not there? You should look up the research that's been written about a lot uh, by Lori Brodo out of UBC, frequent guest on the Lovecast. We love Lori. Um, Marilyn Chivers at Queen's University. Uh, they are all sort of unpacking, some people call it responsive desire, that some people need to start having sex to start feeling horny. And so if you have been told by the culture uh, that you should never do anything you don't want to, you may be cheating, out of yourself, cheating yourself out of what you want to do. Your body just doesn't know it wants to do it yet. The problem with this line of advice is it actually puts some people, they feel in a situation where they make consent to something they don't want to do, where they we're telling people they have to put out, or they're telling people they have to put out whether they want to have sex or not. I don't think it's quite that. But sometimes the way to get... Revved up is to start fucking. <laughs> you know, the cliche for years was men get horny and want to have sex, and women start to have sex and then get horny in marital relationships, not non-consensual stranger danger relationships. <laughs> <laughs> and that wouldn't be sex, that'd be right. Anything you bitches want to add? <clears throat> well, I, I'd, I'd say to find uh, the three things that make you most comfortable, that most happy, don't not even think about sex. I think if you're in a good mood, you generally kind of just move in that direction. Um, so I'd find other things that are outside of that box that 
that make you feel happy and try those first. Get comfortable. All right, I have another question. The age-old question of threesomes. What rules should I establish when exploring them with my boyfriend? Christian? What... Uh, Obviously, there's been, I mean, there's books written on this. How do you, you know, how do you, uh, uh, this is there's not the cap. No. What is it? They, uh, no. There's precedent. There's precedent. <laughs> the United States Supreme Court. Uh, no, I mean, beyond, I, am a, I am an honest, open person. That is my approach to this. Obviously, that I lie at times as well, and I don't tell the truth, but. But, like but, but, but we're no, carving no. out threesomes. A, threesomes are the one thing you don't lie about. Right, of course. <laughs> That's the implication right now. No, that is the... Yeah, exactly. I lie about everything, but when I want to get two people done. No, I mean, I, look, having an open conversation with what you want and what you need, I think it comes with experience and maturity. Uh, and that, I, how, do, how do you explore something that is taboo for your partner or you think is taboo? Well, you talk to them about it. Any other threesome advice first time? Um, talk it to death. Like, talk about everything beforehand. <laughs> yeah. Like... Because it's so hot out. to talk about anyways, so talk about it for exactly, a while. Exactly, talk. Right? <laughs> I have one sp- very specific... I agree with everything that you guys have said. I have one very specific thing that I think people who have threesomes for the first time to bear in mind. After all the talking, after all the negotiating, after all the honesty, you do have to look at each other and say, there might be a moment tonight when it suddenly feels like a two-way that one person is outside of, and that's okay. So long as it's a moment... Because you both, if you go in, and if that happens at all ever, even for a second, you freak out, the three-way has already been destroyed in advance. You shouldn't have it. Because those moments when three people are rolling around where it's suddenly two people on doing something for a little bit, they're a feature, not a bug. So lean back, play with yourself, watch your partner, have fun, and then crawl back in top. <laughs> That's my advice. Do you think it's true that women are more sexually fluid than men or are men just more culturally repressed? So you guys are straight there and there. So the implication of this question is that perhaps if you were less culturally oppressed, you would want to fillet Joe. <laughs> that sucking dick is something you would want to do. That there's no such thing really as heterosexuality or homosexuality. There's just fluidity and default by, but our parents con us into these preferences, or the culture, or the religion, or the faith does. So would you suck dick if it weren't for the culture? I prefer to keep it on the outside. Um, <laughs> of my body, anyways. Um, <laughs> I, 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 I mean, your sexuality, your heterosexuality, a construct or a biological fact, you think? I, I, I like vaginas better than dicks. That's just, that's me. I don't, I don't know how else to explain it. So Christian? I don't know. No, I, I absolutely think that it's a, that society, I think sexuality is a spectrum, and I think absolutely men are, you know, it's, it's popular, okay, you know, funny, sexy for women to be with women, and it, there's not a similar thing on the, on the male side where, you know, exploring it, we didn't, you know, Cave and I didn't go to college together. Had we gone to college together... It wouldn't be a normal story for us to have experimented <laughs> in college, right? And so absolutely, it's a part of culture, in my opinion. But Are you trying to tell us something? <laughs> Just kidding. He's got a nice head. Not cocksuckers. I, I believe that women are naturally more amorous and adaptable. 
and, and that it, kind of leads to and having the science us. bears you out. Well, you mentioned it earlier it yourself that you know women can roll over and have sex with another guy in the cave. Yes, earlier the cave it's, scene. It's a natural thing. Right? <laughs> I like it. Did you I like, like that the one? cave scene. Okay, this one's for you. What's the difference between female ejaculation and just plain peeing myself? <laughs> I don't pee myself. What? <laughs> You're the only lady I orgasm. <laughs> You're the only lady orgasm haver on the stage. Sometimes. I get so high, I cry so hard, I ejaculate. <laughs> Wait, sometimes you get so high, you cry? No, I mean, so yeah, hard. cry laughing. You know, cry laughing uh-huh. when you're like so, laughing so and hard. And then you ejaculate. a little? That would be. <laughs> this is going to be edited, right? Do you teach classes? <laughs> Any other questions from the house? Uh, so I'm a middle school science teacher. We're about to start doing the reproductive system. This can go in two ways. So is there something that you wish that was in sex education right now? Sex. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and is there something, this can go across the panel, things that you wish you'd been told at 13 as a 7th or 8th grader that you wish you would have been That's told? That's a great question. Um, the first question, we call it sex education, and it's almost always just reproductive biology, which you can cover in about 11 minutes. Making a baby is really... so Any idiot can fucking make... Bristol Palin is making her second <laughs> as we speak. Reproductive biology is easy. Sex is hard. What do you want to do in bed? Talking people into fucking you. What consent is and isn't how to understand and process and learn more about non-normative desires, whether you're queer or not, what that means. None of that is covered, the complicated stuff. And so the problem with sex ed is even when we liberals think, oh, this is progressive, comprehensive sex ed, if you look at the materials, reproductive biology, how to make a baby, how not to make a baby, that's it. Not how to get someone to say yes when you ask them straight out to fuck you, which is where people get tripped up. So at 13, what do you wish someone had told you? I, th- I think it just comes down to the honesty in, in the conversation. I mean, this is very similar to the drug policy conversation. Um, wh- what we're told by the establishment um, is that drugs are bad for the worst reasons. They find the worst examples of that drug use that they can, and that's the picture of it. And that's the same thing with sex. But there's so much more in the middle between what that kid doesn't know and that extreme um, that is just kept out of the equation. Um, so I think just being honest about it, having an honest conversation uh, can usually solve most things, can usually point people in at least a direction that they can be, um, you know, conscious enough about uh, to not get themselves into trouble. Again, having, having grown up Catholic and gone to a Catholic grade school, I learned a lot. All the things you were just discussing was what we covered when I was 11. Um, uh-huh. Sister Pat by Sister Pat, who also, who also actually told me, that condoms don't work because they only cover the tip of the penis. <laughs> uh, it's like burned into my brain forever. <laughs> like wake up with her like showing it like doing this. Oh my so god. Oh, yeah. Um, I think we should talk more about the concept of pleasure and how to be able to safely derive that for yourself and really focus on getting that out of your life instead of focusing on all these other constructed things. There was a really interesting study out of the UK a few years ago that smacked everybody upside the head 
because they were uh, working with and doing a study on uh, sexually active teenagers, young people. And they found all of these girls in this study who were having sex that was painful and uncomfortable and unpleasant. And when they dug down with them and they uh, sat with them and they interviewed them and they really drilled it down, it was because they didn't know sex was supposed to feel good because no one had ever told them that it was supposed to be pleasurable. So the absence of pleasure to them didn't seem like a problem or something to do something about. Right, and if you look at the porn right now on YouPorn, even in the female-friendly section, it doesn't look like they're very happy. More happy lady porn, please. Sorry, please. More happy lady porn, please. Please. So you're just going to throw all that in the curriculum, right? Yeah, the, pack uh, that in. <laughs> and, my, and my points about porn. Because porn's an important part of sex ed these days now, too, that can't be avoided. Because kids are getting their sex educations from porn, so you have to talk to them about porn, how to view it critically as consumers, even at 14. Any other questions? So I want you to help me figure out my sexuality. Um, <laughs> this, is, this is quick. This is going to be a quick one. So I was that weird girl who likes Asian men, and I like them really girly, but I like a dick. Also, I love porn, but sex not so much. Help me figure out your sexuality? It's a, it's a kind of a shit show. <laughs> And that's its selling point, right? <laughs> there isn't a lid out there for every pot, but there's a lot more fucking lids now that we have the internet to, to go search for lids. I am lost <laughs> in this metaphor. <laughs> there are effeminate, straight, or bi Asian guys who cross-dress. You see them on Tumblr all the time. <laughs> you can find that guy, and you can have a romantic, intimate relationship without having to have sex, but that's something you might want to think about, talk to a therapist about, tiptoe up to. I don't think sex should have to be compulsory, but it's so joyful and wonderful and terrific that if the reason you're not tapped into that is not because it's not, just not your natural default setting, but because of some lock that can be unpicked, some damage that can be walked back, and then you can have sex, that would be an awesome gift you could give yourself. Well, and you can fucking then have sex with that hot, cross-dressed, Asian, faggy dude with a dick. Well, and I think it was situational to who I was dating because there's been some guys where I was like, yeah, yeah, let's do it. And other guys where I'm just like, get away from me. Well, trust your pheromones, instincts, and the chemicals and fuck the guys that you have the fuck me reaction to and don't fuck the guys that you don't have that reaction to. That is how I have conducted myself all my life and it works pretty well. They're telling me we can take no more questions, so we have to say goodbye. I am bummed. Can we have a round of applause for our panel, Kayvon, Christian, Jake. Jake from earlier, and Jane. I hope you got your stoned advice's worth, because we are going to have to leave it there. The number here at the podcast is 20. Oh, fuck, stop! What about Joe? What about Joe? We forgot to check in with Joe. <laughs> How high are you? I'm at like a seven on a 10, I would say. <laughs> it works. Is he regularly a seven on a 10 in the high? Have you seen him this high before? 
Oh, he's seen me way higher than this. <laughs> <laughs> a big round of applause for Joe, who gave such awesome sex advice. And we are going to leave it there. The number here at the podcast is 206-302-2064. Give us a call if you want to leave a question or comment for a future show. 206-302-2064. Follow me on Twitter at FakeDanSavage. Follow Kayvon on Twitter at SexPotComedy. Follow Christian on Twitter at VincenteConsult. Follow Jake on Twitter at FakeJakeBrown. Follow Jane on Twitter at TheJaneWest. Follow Dan Goldman on Twitter at Legalize. Follow Dan Goldman on Twitter at Lee Gay Lives. We want to thank our sponsors, Denver Relief, Denver's oldest dispensary, Sexy Pizza Glide, Ethical Fair Trade, and Vegan Condoms. And a great big thanks to everyone at Ophelia's tonight, our live audience. And the great crew here at Ophelia's. The Savage Lovecast is produced by Nancy Hartunian and me and Nancy and the Tech Savvy at Risk Youth. We will all be back at you next Tuesday with another installment of the Savage Lovecast. <gasps> Thanks for downloading.